I have been a Southern Baptist all of my life, and when I'm challenged on my credentials, I say I know the first, second, and fourth verse of every hymn in the hymn book. And if you're Baptist, you know what I'm talking about. So, and because of that, one of the things that I am most proud of being a Southern Baptist is how well we do disaster relief. We are literally the best in the nation at doing it. And we have national organizations, we have state organizations, we have church organizations. We can respond to any need, anywhere, anytime, and we're usually the first ones on the scene. Uh, when uh, Lachland community was hit in the, in the tornado, we were there at sunrise. And Lachlan Baptist Church, Lachlan uh, Springs Baptist Church became the staging ground for all of the relief efforts in that community. We were telling the fire trucks where to go. Now, that's no kidding. And uh, whenever there's a, uh, an issue within a, a day's drive of our church, our own team responds. And you support that through your giving, through your generosity. We're able to show up with the, with the men and women, uh, with the tools and with the expertise to be able to help these folks when they walk out of their house and they literally don't know what to do next. And, uh, and you show up. And so uh, it's an amazing ministry and we're very, very grateful for uh, your generosity. I hope you have voted for trustees. Uh, if you haven't, do that now, I'll wait. Um, it is one of the more important moments in the life of our church that we take care of this. So take your time, get it done. Uh, and um, we appreciate your uh, involvement and your prayerfulness uh, in, in this church process. So, you know, when you ask somebody, how are you doing? And they say, okay, you don't know what that answer means, do you? It could mean a lot of things. It could mean that things have been going bad. Now they have plateaued off. And you know, I think I'm okay. Um, you know, the ambulance drive to the ER wasn't bad. Uh, the test they ran didn't hurt. We think we found it early. I'm okay. Or it could be the other way around. Things have turned around and things are going really, really well. And you ask somebody, how are you doing? They go, you know, Mike, I I'm okay. So when somebody says, okay, they really haven't said anything to you. You don't know what they have said. You kind of have to know the story. So the Philippian church writes Paul. The Philippian church sends Paul a care package because he's in jail. Paul, how are you? And Paul writes back, I'm okay. But you don't know what that means, do you? Unless you know the rest of the story. 
Paul tells us part of that story in ending his letter to them. It's chapter 4, verse 10 to the end. So stand with me in honor of God's word. Oh, I rejoice in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. Now, I don't say this out of need, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with a little. I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, you did well to remember me in my hardship. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my need several times. Not that I seek the gift, but what I seek is the profit that is increasing to your account. I have received everything in full. I have an abundance. I am fully supplied. I have received from Epaphroditus all that you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. For I've learned I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And my God will provide all of your needs from his riches in glory. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, live. Let's pray together. He was in jail. And he writes a letter telling us how to be content how to, how to, for us, how to be joyful. Lord, whatever he knew, teach us. And we pr pray this in your name. Amen. The letter to the Philippian church deals a lot with anxiety. Uh, there are several mentions of don't be anxious or pray, uh, trust in Christ to, to hear your heart and protect your heart. There are all kinds of reference to this. And from that, we assume that the Philippian church was indeed anxious. Uh, there were things going on that they couldn't control. Uh, there were things going on in their world that they didn't understand and they were trying to get hold of. And one of those things was that Paul was in jail. Now remember, Paul had left the churches in Greece on his way back to Jerusalem to take the, the um, collection for the saints. The church in Jerusalem was undergoing a famine and all of the churches that Paul had founded had taken up a collection so that the Gentile churches could then provide resources to the Jewish church and celebrate the unity of, of Christ's church together. While he was in Jerusalem, he was arrested. Now he's been transferred, we think, back to a prison in Rome. 
and he writes his letter. He writes the letter on the occasion that the Philippians have sent him a care package. And he tells them, thank you for remembering me, not that I needed it. And when you first read that, you say, come on, Paul, ease up. What person takes the gift and goes, well, thank you, I didn't need it. Isn't that just a little tacky? You got people trying, trying hard. Don't do that to them, Paul. But you have to remember, as my family learns, Paul was a preacher. Always a preacher. And when you're a preacher, you can never let a right moment go by without preaching. I can't tell you the times that Jeannie and I have been at dinner and she'll look at me and roll her eyes. And I'll know I probably need to hush. The boys and I, the boys and I used to go to movies all the time when, when they were younger and we would come out of the movie and I would go, were you paying attention to this? Did you see that? Do you understand what the movie's trying to tell you? And finally one of them looked at me and says, dad, can we just go to a movie? Can we just, no. All right, Paul has a gift from them and he can't miss the moment to teach. Thank you. I didn't need it. Why not? Pay attention to what he said. I have learned how to be content regardless of my situation. Now, what did he say? I have learned Underline that word. What does it mean? Doesn't come naturally. Okay? None of you were born with a spiritual gift of contentment. It was, it's a learned discipline. It's a learned way of following Christ. Next question. How do you learn it? <sighs> By going to class by living your life and realizing that nothing on the outside determines your contentment on the inside. Nothing on the outside determines your contentment on the inside. I've told you the story before. I'll remind you again. My father's oldest brother's name was Austin, nicknamed Frost. He lived in a mobile home. Now, I know I'm supposed to say manufactured housing, but this wasn't manufactured housing. This was a mobile home. You know the difference. Okay? It is Mississippi hot. And my brother and I are sitting with my dad while he visits Austin. It is so hot in this trailer that my brother and I are going out and cranking the car up and sitting in the air conditioning for a minute and coming back in. Austin smoked Paul Malls. <laughs> and so Austin had a permanent squint where that would trail up. So, and we're sitting in his house and he's got an oscillating fan blowing hot air from this side to that side. There's no cold, it's hot air. And he looks at my dad and he says, Skin, my, dick, my dad's nickname was Skinny. Skin, did you ever think we'd have it this good, son? 
My brother and I looked at each other. Do you ever think we'd have it this good? Nothing on the outside has anything to do with the contentment on the inside. Now, we live in a world of discontent. Uh, we live in a world that tries to create the craving of discontent. And whatever you have, it's not enough. I finally, after several years, upgraded my phone. And for about 60 minutes, I had the best phone you could have. Yesterday, reading in one of my favorite magazines, I noticed an ad for the newest new phone that I don't have. And I'm looking at this ad, looking at my phone, going, I'm already a generation behind. Coming soon. The new best, coming soon. We're getting letters like you are. Don't you want to upgrade your car? Don't you want to sell your house? Don't you want to do this better? Don't you want to do this stuff? The problem with all of these outside changes is you take you with you. What was Paul's secret? Paul said, I have learned to be with Christ wherever I am. I have learned he is with me in the Philippian jail. I've learned he's with me when I'm preaching in a local congregation. I've learned he's with me when I'm traveling everywhere in between. I have learned to do that. The second thing, I am overwhelmed at being able to do his will. Do you remember Jesus uh, at the story of the, uh, at the woman at the well? Jesus preaches to her, teaches to her. She goes and she brings everybody back. The disciples who'd gone into the village to get food come back and say, Jesus, aren't you hungry? And Jesus says, I've eaten food that you don't know anything about. My life is full. Paul's life was full at the beginning of the Philippian letter. He says, because I'm in prison, I want you to know how the gospel of Christ has been advanced. Because I am here, the entire Praetorian Guard has heard the gospel. The elite guards of Caesar, every one of them has heard the gospel. You know how that happened. If you were assigned to guard Paul, you were literally chained to him. Okay? They would unlock the chain from one soldier put it on the wrist of the next soldier, click. As soon as Paul heard that click, he would have said, did I tell you about the time I was going to Damascus? Now, the whole Praetorian Guard, how did that happen? Because back in the barracks, the soldiers are going, uh-uh, I had him yesterday. I'm not doing that again. Because of this, the entire guard, people who had never heard the gospel, who probably never would have heard the gospel, are now chained to the best gospel preacher of all time. And Paul said, isn't that just like our Jesus, more concerned about those in the Praetorian Guard than he is me? I am full because I have gotten to preach the gospel to the entire Praetorian Guard. I'm okay. But Paul, you're in prison. Uh -huh. 
Christ is with me. And I am even here fulfilling Christ's mission for my life. I'm eating food you don't know anything about. I'm okay. And you know what? You're going to be okay too. And my God, that I've just testified about how he is providing all of my needs, guess what? Is so rich, he can provide your needs too. From his riches. Did you see that? From his riches. Not from what's left over. Not from what nobody else could use. From the storehouse of the treasures of God, the Father will grab something and give it to you. From his riches. If you'll learn that it has to do with finding the presence of Christ wherever you are, about sharing the gospel with whoever you're with, eating food no one else will know about. Did you see the last line? You almost missed it, didn't you? Most of us quit reading before we get to that final paragraph. I tell you, Paul never minced a chance to get the message across in everything. Now again, he's writing up the side of the page. Got a margin note here. Did you see it? All the brothers with me send you greetings. Even those, especially those, did you see it? Who are in Caesar's household. Did you get that? Paul is in prison because Caesar put him there. Paul is in prison because Caesar keeps him there. Caesar will soon grow tired of Paul and order his execution. And Paul writes to the Philippians, I'm preaching the gospel to people who are in his household. I am so content. I'm preaching to the members of the household of the man who will execute me. Nothing on the outside has anything to do with how content you are on the inside. I'm preaching to the household of the man who will order my execution. Now that's a level of commitment I don't know anything about. That's a level of contentment. I haven't yet experienced. Paul had. He wanted the Philippians to. He wants you and me too as well.
Let's pray together. In this land of distraction and discontentment, Lord, fill our lives with your presence, your glory, your riches, that we will totally and completely be content in you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Jesus knew we were a forgetful people. And because of that, he gave us the reminder of the bread and the cup. So in this time of thanksgiving, we thought it'd be a good time for us to remember as well. The deacons will be coming forward now to serve you. As they take their place and begin to serve you, use these moments to prepare your own heart for the receiving of the bread and the cup.
One thing that happens when you take the bread in your hand is you remember all the stories in the Bible that have to do with bread. Lord's Supper, of course. Feeding of the 5,000. The, the breakfast with Peter and Jesus on the shore of Galilee after the resurrection. And the story of manna in the wilderness. Remember the story the Hebrew children were going from Egypt to the promised land. They ran out of food, so they prayed to God and God provided manna. You know what the word manna means? It literally means, what is this? So every morning the people would go out and gather all they could of what is this. Sometimes what you need and what you want are very, very different. Aren't we grateful to a Savior who loves us enough to give us what we need, not what we want? The body of Christ, broken for you, take and eat all of it. If you study the church like I do, if you love the church like I do, there are days when you read stories, headlines, and you worry if the church will survive. Are we too wounded this time? Have we made too many mistakes? We, we're like that part in the medical drama or, or the war movie where the other people in the movie come and stand around the hero and say, we don't know if they're gonna make it or not. They've lost too much blood. And sometimes I wonder if maybe this time the church has lost too much blood. Then I remember. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, the blood of Christ shed for you. Drink all of it. It never runs out. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed now, thinking even about this moment of response. For in this moment, this is the time when we say, Lord, we give you back our lives. Not that it makes us even, it doesn't. It's just simply the only way that we can respond. Some of you don't know what to do now. You've been overwhelmed in this moment by the love of Christ and you don't know how to respond. That's okay. We'll be waiting for you in the Welcome Center. Go out of here, turn left, you'll see the big glass doors. That's where we are. I'll be back there. Several of our counselors and other pastors will be back there to answer your questions, to pray with you so you can know the love of Christ in your life today. Don't go home with those questions unanswered. Perhaps the Lord is leading you to be part of our congregation. You come. However he's leading you, he's waiting for you where you are. The church will wait for you as you come. Lord Jesus, every life is now open, every heart. We pray that what we do now 
is exactly what you want.